0: The left fork goes off through the hills to Canaan and Goshen. The right fork goes to Vegan. Although both forks are paved for the first mile or so, they're narrower and more twisty than the Eden Road, and the state didn't waste any paint on center lines. Once they pass through Eden, most tourists turn around in the old schoolyard and head back down the valley toward the town. Today, Trooper Sam Neely of the state police pulled his cruiser into the schoolyard and sat looking at the abandoned one-room frame structure with its peeling paint, broken windows, and weeds growing in the playground. He glanced back through the village. He could see past the chapel to Doolin's and the post office. Although the scene looked inviting, the huge old maples and oaks towering over everything and still in full foliage these first weeks of September, there wasn't another person in sight. Sam Neely groaned. He was just one week out of the State Police Academy and this county was his first assignment. This morning, his sergeant told him the southern half of the county was his beat. His colleague, Trooper Tutwiler, with two years in the state police under his belt, got the northern half. After the sergeant left to return to Capital City, Sam Neely got into his police cruiser with the bubblegum machine on top and drove slowly along the Eden Road to see what he could see. It was bad. Oh, the houses were spiffy enough, the meadows mowed, the pastures full of hundreds of fat black cattle. The late summer foliage lushly verdant, yet to young Sam Neely the place was as exciting as a postcard from Iowa. He had joined the state police because he wanted adventure, and they sent him here, to this rusticated nowhere. The most interesting thing he would ever do here in the line of duty would be to chase a cow that slipped through a gap in a fence. Neely turned off the engine of his car and listened to the wind in the leaves, listened to his heartbeat. Listen to his youth slip away. He felt like crying, but didn't because he was young and tough. He started the engine while he wondered if he should go on up the road to Canaan and Goshen, then maybe swing back through Vegan. He decided against it. He could only stand so much of this excitement. He would leave that odyssey until tomorrow. Tomorrow. And the day after. And the day after the days stretched away before Trooper Neely into an appalling, dismal haze. He cranked the wheel around and aimed the cruiser down the Eden Road toward town. Rot. He would rot here, watching the cows chew their cuds, rot while listening to these rustics prattle endlessly about the weather and hay and politely nodding, nodding, nodding. Rot. He, Sam Neely, A young man in perfect health, ready for any adventure. A true American ready to put his life on the line to defend honest citizens in the American way of life when the clarion call of duty pealed once again. Already had one foot in the grave. He could almost feel the slimy worms crawling over his flesh. He shivered involuntarily. His pistol would rust from disuse. The twelve cartridges they issued him for the pistol were a lifetime supply. He would still have all twelve when he retired. In thirty years. Musing along these lines, Trooper Neely didn't notice the driver of the car he passed just outside of Indian River headed up the Eden Road. Even if he had, Neely had not yet met the man and would not have known who he was. Mrs. Euphala Davis, the preacher's wife, was a mile behind Trooper Neely, and she saw the car and recognized the driver, Ed Harris, the banker, that's odd, Mrs. Davis thought. Ed Harris should be at the bank on Wednesday afternoon. Why, Ed Harris was bragging just last week that he hadn't missed a day's work sick in ten years. She made a mental note to ask Mrs. Harris, Anne, why her husband was going home at two o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. What Mrs. Davis would later learn was really no mystery. Ed Harris was going home because he was indeed sick. Stomachache. He felt slightly queasy. Didn't think it would look right if he threw up in his office at the bank, so he made his excuses and was on his way home. He turned off the Eden Road into his private driveway, which led across the meadows of the valley past the huge sycamore that had been threatening for years to fall over. He steered the car carefully as the driveway wound its way into the trees. The house sat a hundred yards back in the forest on a low hill. It was a big two story with eight rooms. Ed and Anna had designed it themselves, valuing privacy more than a scenic view. Ed pulled into the turnaround in front of the house and killed the engine. He sat staring at the car beside Anne's. A Dodge. Looks like Hayden Elkins. No, couldn't be. Hayden was his friend, his best friend. Why on earth would Hayden be over here on a Wednesday afternoon, with Anne alone in the house? With Ruth away at college? With Hayden's best buddy Ed Harris at work at the bank. Ed got out of the car, his nausea forgotten. He used his key to let himself in through the front door. He walked slowly toward the stairs, climbed them one by one. They were covered with carpet and didn't creak, not one of them. He and Ann had built this house to last. Their house. Their home. On the top of the stairs was one of Ann's shoes and a tie. A short distance down the hall was a skirt, and a sports coat, and a man's shoes. He could hear them giggling. The bedroom door at the end of the hallway was partially open. Ed Harris turned around and went back down the stairs. He went to the den and sat in his favorite chair, which faced the magnificent ten-point buck's head hanging on the wall. He sat staring at the wall, his thoughts tumbling over one another in no particular order. Later he couldn't recall just how long he sat there or just what he thought about, but when he arose from the chair he went to his gun cabinet. He selected a 12-gauge shotgun from the rack and a box of shells from one of the bottom drawers. He shoved three shells into the magazine of the gun, then he jacked a shell into the chamber and engaged the safety. Here he paused. He took off his tie and tossed it on the desk. Grasping the shotgun tightly in both hands, he strode for the stairs. They were naked in bed. Anne was on top, her head flung back, her dark hair bobbing. Hayden saw him first. He pushed Anne sideways off of him. Jesus Christ, Ed, don't shoot us! Ed Harris held the shotgun across his chest the way he did at the skeet range just before he said, "Pull." Anne turned and saw him, then swept the hair back from her eyes and looked again. "'Now, Ed,' she said.
1: "'For the love
0: of Christ, Ed,' Hayden pleaded. "'He was twenty pounds too heavy,' Ed Harris noted objectively, "'and would be bald as an apple in five more years, in bed with his wife. "'Of all people, his friend, Hayden Elkins.' "'Anne lowered her face into her hands and began sobbing. "'Hayden wanted to argue.' Now, Ed, this isn't worth killing someone over. You don't want to go to prison have someone's death on your conscience, do you? Of course not. My God, Ed, I am sorry. This just happened. After all, we're healthy people and Ann loves you. You know how much Ann loves you. And this was just a roll in the hay. Something to do on a Wednesday afternoon. We're not in love. Not like Ann loves you. You know how she loves you. Get out of bed, Ed Harris ordered. Get dressed. It is just a roll in the hay, for God's sake. He gestured with the barrel of the shotgun. Shut up. Get out of bed and get dressed. Both of you. Anne was sobbing hard with her hair down over her face. Ed got a glimpse of tears streaming down her cheeks. Oh, Christ. They dressed quickly. He went out in the hall and kicked the shoes and skirt back toward the bedroom all the while keeping the muzzle of the shotgun pointed in their general direction. When Hayden got his trousers and shoes on, Ed gestured with the shotgun toward the closet door. In there, he said, are her suitcases. Get them out. Pack all her stuff, all her clothes, her jewelry, cosmetics, everything. Quickly now. What are you going to do? Ann asked. Do as you're told. Ed replied roughly, and backed against the wall so he'd be out of the way and could watch them both. Not that Hayden was going to try anything, not with Ed standing there holding a shotgun. Hayden might be dumb enough to screw your wife on a Wednesday afternoon, but he wasn't crazy stupid. Ann was crazy enough and unpredictable to boot, but the shock of being caught in bed with another man had apparently taken the starch out of her, at least for a little while. They opened the suitcases on the bed and Ann threw some things into them. Not all of her clothes, of course. It would have taken a small truck to haul all her clothes. Just the stuff she liked and wore off.